Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th Tea Podcast, Kieran Marsh, Nathan Drudy, back with you for another week. Truthster, this is not an accident. I've got the Augusta Green on tonight into the yellow. Uh, I'm excited. We are counting down. We have one more weekend before we hit the grand final of golf at Augusta National, the Masters. Uh, a little bit on that in a moment. Uh, we had a, a break. We're in the, the mid-season break of the domestic tour. So David Nicoluzzi, who has really been at the pointy end of a number of leaderboards across the summer, will join us. Uh, he's our guest this week in just a few moments. But we rip around some results for the weekend because, Strutzer, unbelievably, we have a new world number one, mm. Scotty Scheffler. Yes, quite phenomenal, really. I mean, what a what a rise to uh, – or what an ascension. Just so quick uh, to get to world number one, given where he was, um, you know, just to shoot a few – Short months ago, um, yeah, quite quite phenomenal to be honest, Marshy. Three wins in a matter of I don't know what six weeks or something like that. It's it's actually phenomenal. It's yeah, I, and I, I I think that one thing that really articulated this well for me uh, a tweet from Kyle Porter. He had a couple of good runs which I'm going to run through, but players with multiple majors to have never been number one in the world, Phil Nicholson. Colin Morikawa, obviously we we give Colin a bit of grass because he's only at the start. Bubba Watson, Retief Goosen, Podrick Harrington, Payne Stewart. All with multiple majors never to have achieved what Scotty Scheffler has achieved as of this morning. Uh, and, and you look at what you said. Uh, I mean, he's won $6.2 million in the last 42 days. Not, we not, said it at the bad. time. We said it at the time, uh, I think, before Phoenix, like, was this going to be a case of the floodgates opening? Uh, we anticipated more wins. I don't necessarily know that we anticipated a purple patch like this and, and certainly not the ascension to the number one spot in the world. Six weeks ago, zero wins in 70 PGA Tour starts, $8.7 million in career earnings, 14th in the world. Uh, in the last five starts, three wins. He's jumped more than six and a bit million dollars and 13 spots to number one. So, yeah, just incredible. Incredible golf from Scotty Scheffler, the guy who last year was the twelfth man picked on the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, now he's the best player in the world. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah. As I say, it's just it's absurd. It's phenomenal. You could use whatever adjective you want. I mean, he um, yeah. It's looking at the OWGR points one for twenty twenty two. He leads obviously with two hundred nineteen point seven eight. The next best is Cam Smith with one hundred fifty eight point three four, and then Victor Hovland one hundred twenty seven point nine seven. After that. It's a pretty quick drop-off. Wacken Neiman's up in the 90s, but there's very, very few others that are in around the, the 70s and 80s. So, like, it's he's blown the field away, really, in 2022. Um, and, I mean, it's it's funny because we always get to the end of the PGA Tour season and we go, oh, well, who's who is the PGA Tour Player of the Year? Um, I mean, geez, if you're awarding it tomorrow, you, would, you could not give it to Scotty Scheffler, but in six months' time when we get to the end of the season, um, and he may not have won again, we, we could be having a conversation about someone completely different. But, yeah, he, well, he absolutely he, deserves it. 
you'll remember last year, Cantlay won it essentially because he won three times. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Scheffler's done that in six weeks. Yeah. Like, just remarkable. Last stat um, to try and draw a line underneath the, the magnitude of this achievement uh, from Sean Martin, who's senior writer for PGATour.com. Fewest pro starts needed to reach number one in the world. Tiger Woods, 21. Jordan Spieth, 77. Scotty Scheffler, 92. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, he is, I think, uh, has a really sustainable golf game as well. And that's that's the scary thing for the next couple of years is, I said it back after he won Phoenix, the first, you know, the breakthrough victory, that it seemed crazy to, to say that that was his first win um, and that we were sleeping on him in the context of guys like Morikawa or Hovland that we always speak about, right? Mm. Um and he's he's arrived well and truly. So yeah. outstanding win for for Scotty Scheffler. In terms of the Aussies uh, who competed their Druids, it, it certainly wasn't uh, fantastic going. Um, no. uh, you know, Minwoo, Scotty Leash, um, Lucas Herbert was probably the best to be fair. He had a couple of good wins. Um, beat Tony Finau. I'm looking through um, the beat results. Xander. Beat Xander Shoffley, and then I don't know if you saw, but Literally missed like a three footer mm. to extend a game against Takumi Kanai. Yeah, the, it was rough. Uh, Japanese player. So, yeah, um, Lucas Herbert probably the best finishes, but certainly nothing to write home about for the Australians at the match play. Uh, in the alternate field event, the Corrales Punta Cana, one of your and my favourite events of the year, uh, it was a T4 finish for Cameron Percy, the Aussie. Mm. So, certainly better fortunes in the alternate field uh, event. And great to see Cam Percy, uh, I think the definition of journeyman. Uh, you know, get back into contention. Now, he finished two shots back from um, the winner, uh, Chad Ramey, and, and Cameron Percy takes home $166,500. Greg Chalmers finishing the title of 28 that tournament. Aaron Budley and Brett Druitt missed the cut. On the DP World Tour, the Commercial Bank Guitar Masters, uh, Wade Ormsby was the highest finishing Australian at T12. He was four shots off the winner, Ewan Ferguson. Jason Scrivener, a further two shots back from Ormsby in the title for 27th. And then in the LPGA Tour, Ty Titicool uh, was a winner at the Aviara Golf Club in Carlsbad, California at the JTBC Classic. She finished, uh, well, Minji Lee was the highest finishing Australian there, T23, and she was nine shots behind the leader. Hannah Green, top 58, Catherine Kirk in a top of 68, and Steph Kuriaku on the LPGA Tour in a tie for 72nd. And then Drew's the two quick ones to round out. Uh, I want to make mention of uh, Travis Smythe. I don't know if you saw this. Was leading uh, at one stage the event on the Asian Tour, the DGC Open at the Delhi Golf Club, and got Delhi belly. Mm, as did Blake Collier. As did Blake Collier. Uh, Travis gets a, a chronic case of Delhi belly, gets himself back on the course. Uh, saw a little video on his Instagram that he did from a tuk-tuk after the round, he's had a doctor follow him the entire 18 holes and shoots four under uh, off the back of no sleep and complete dehydration and exhaustion. Incredible effort. He finished that tournament and tie for 10th, but, geez, that, that may as well be a win, I would mm. suggest, in his eyes. Uh, so that was tie for 10. Blake Collier finished in 66th spot in that tournament. And then uh, the only other one I wanted to mention was Sarah Jane Smith. She finished in a tie for second, three shots back from the winner, Linnea Strom, at the uh, IOA Championship on the Epson Tour. So a good weekend for Sarah Jane Smith. 
Uh, Drew, so briefly before we get to David Nicoluzzi, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention news over the weekend, not news, more vision, actually. Uh, Tiger Woods was spotted in some leaked videos uh, playing and walking around at Medalist Golf mm. Club in Florida. Um, that would be significant in and of itself because obviously we saw him at the father-son where he had the cart the whole way around. So he's walking and medalist, not the easiest or flattest of courses in Florida. Uh, what's more significant, Drewster, is Joe LaCarva. His caddy flew in for the round. Hmm. Now, that doesn't happen unless there is an impending return. And what happens to be around the corner? Uh, none other than his favourite tournament. So what looked... Uh, like a, the longest of long shots some weeks ago. Really, when you think about it, probably shouldn't surprise us in the slightest that he is now uh, an odds-on favourite to be playing in the Masters in 10 days' time. Yeah, well, headshots on the on the uh, Masters website that in the field page um, of where there's the likes of there's no Phil Mickelson. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's not unsurprising at all. You know, he said himself, I think, back... Um, back when he first did a press comments around the Genesis that he's a competitive person and it was always inevitable. Um, and yeah, what a, what a great place to come back than Augusta national. So yeah, it's, uh, as we said many times, he owes the game nothing. And if he didn't come back from here, um, it, no one should say anything otherwise. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he is back cause I'd love to see it, but, um, yeah, if, if he's, I'll believe it when he's on the first tee, KM. <laughs> yeah, I believe Friday coming, uh, but that's Friday United States time is the withdrawal deadline. So I don't, I don't think, say, for injury, you can be in the field and withdraw following that. And obviously it wouldn't be a new injury. So you would think if he's going to withdraw, he will have to do it by this coming Friday. Yeah. Um, which should give us some surety going to the early parts of next week about what role he's going to play at Augusta. But yeah, certainly the signs. I mean, he, he didn't just walk medalist, but he flew his caddy in. So yep. That's... It, it's definitely pointing towards a return at Augusta National, which would be unreal to have him back. At the Masters, we will have a comprehensive Masters preview in Masters Week. Uh, we have one more tournament, the Valero Texas Open, which you'll recall 12 months earlier, Drew said Jordan Spieth peaked a week early and won this tournament, um, mm. much to my chagrin. Uh, and we'll see. I don't know if that'll happen based on the way he played at Austin over the weekend. But no. As I've said many a time, couldn't give two shits. I just wanted to play well at Augusta. So we we will see. But yeah, comprehensive Masters preview coming next week. Now, Drew's we've played at the top uh, a break in the uh, domestic season uh, off the back of the New South Wales Open before we head to the National. And there's only a handful of events left um, in terms of the order of merit as well. One One name who uh, I think, A, it's been really nice to see play well, uh, given uh, the struggles that he had having turned just before turned pro just before the COVID interruption, um, but also just seems like a, a widely respected and liked player on the tour, um, which, you know, we've said that about a few of our guests, but uh, certainly an incredibly popular uh, and brings a great energy, I think, to the tour, and we've seen that a number of times across the summer. I speak, of course, of David Nicoluzzi, uh, Victorian uh, local came through the Victorian state system alongside Zach Murray, Ryan Ruffles, Blake Collier. Uh, so certainly had some pedigree and had one of the all-time great amateur seasons back in 2018 where he got as high as number two in the world in the amateur rankings, uh, which we go into in, in great detail. So it's been a wonderful story, Druids. I know that it's one that we've been looking forward to for some time to get Dave on and very fortunate that he's uh, found a window for us in his couple of weeks off. So 
without any further ado, here's David Michaluzzi. Well, Drews, as we said at the top, very excited by our guest this week. He has certainly featured uh, at the pointy end of a number of leaderboards across the Australian summer, been in some consistent ripping form. And certainly, uh, I think, from at least a distance, seems to be one of the more well-respected and liked members of the, uh, the the tour altogether. I speak, of course, and I'm going to blame you, Drew, it's off the bat if I get this wrong, because I did consult you before we hit, hit record. David Michaluzzi. David, welcome. How do I go? That's, uh, that's, that's very Italian, man. Excellent. Very so Italian. Nathan is the Italian half of this podcast. Oh, very good. Uh, and, I, and I consulted, because <laughs> I didn't want to say... Uh, I, Luzzi, or I, I, I thought there might be. It's almost like there's a T in there. Luzzi, is that is yeah. that right? Yeah, come on, yeah, yeah. Michaluzzi or some, something like that. Yeah. I say Michaluzzi or Michaluzzi, whatever, whatever comes off. Brilliant. Well, at Mika, least that'll be Mika, that's it. I, that's why. That's, Mika, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, at least, least mum and dad will be happy with this one. I know dad listens to this podcast. Uh, David, <laughs> welcome. It's been, it's been uh, as I said, it's been a great summer for you. You'd probably take us back, uh, I suppose, to the start with the PGA at Royal Queensland. It was, it was a good start for yourself and, and probably just how good it's been to be playing consistent golf week in, week out for a change. Oh, man. It's, it's just been crazy. Obviously, that turn pro end of, end of 19. I got to play a couple of European tour events. Uh, and quite a few Aussie Aussie tour events, played Aussie Open and all that. And yeah, then COVID hit, and that, that just put a massive hold on everything. It just just being in Australia was so shit. It was as simple as that. Like, just couldn't go anywhere. I didn't have. I had a category. On, well, I've got a category on Challenge Tour because there hasn't been a Q school since 2019. Just couldn't get over. And then um, then last year, we kind of got a few events throughout the summer, and then. Uh, I went overseas for four months and then, yeah, coming up to this season, like there was a, it was a good season. Like, unfortunately with New Zealand uh, open and PGA, like not going ahead, but still we I think we've belted out. I think there's going to be 14 events like in the space of what, from December to the start of May. And like, for me, that's like, that's the busiest I've been since I've turned pro. So it's actually been very, and it's, it's great to be home as well. Like I've had, I think four events in Victoria so far and got to stay at home for three of them and just go into places that I've been before. So I think that's been quite comfortable as well. And yeah, as I said, like start, the, the PGA was, was nice to actually put my name up, up there again. Cause it's, it's been a while. Well, I think we definitely will unpack the dumpster fire that was COVID uh, not long after you turned professional and, and timing's always great, isn't it? But yeah. probably just, just to reiterate, I mean, you kind of outlined it beautifully there about your your stunted start to your professional career. Did did you surprise yourself and have you surprised yourself across this summer with your results based on the fact that there wasn't a lot of golf coming into this summer? Mm. Or, or are you about where you thought you would be given the opportunity to play regular golf again? Uh, I think I was – it was always trending. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. So I like I went to America for well, it was about four months. I was away, and I struggled over there big time. I played a few events on Challenge Tour, and I went back to the states. Went to Q School, a couple of play to play events. I just struggled big time. Struggled with, oh, I was I, I was swinging it great. Um, I just couldn't score, and I got back, and I just had to really like reflect on like what is actually going on, like because this this just ain't me like like what is actually happening here 
And I just, I forgot to, I forgot how to play the game of golf. Like it's just like, like playing golf is so different than just hitting balls on the range. Like, and that's, that's what I did like to work on, work on certain things in the swing. But for me, I've always been a player. I've always been always on the course trying to shoot the lowest score possible, obviously doing stupid games on the course. Like, trying to make up and down from 160 out from behind the trees and just doing st- just stupid shit as kids do. And in the last, probably from like, I think November till, till now, it's just, it's been, there's barely been any work on the range and it's just been pure playing. And like I played okay uh, the first couple of events and then Oz PGA, it surprised me, but it also didn't surprise me because I was playing solid, but I didn't expect to be, as high as I was in the leaderboard. Like that Saturday, I think I had five in a row. And I went from like six or four, inside the top 10 to second or third or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, like I was way behind Jet. But I was like, oh my God. Like I got that realization, like, holy shit, I'm actually up there in a, in a decent event, like as a pro. I'm like, I haven't been here before. And I played I played so well that um that front nine and then, the back nine, it was like I hit it the exact same as the day before. I shot five under on the four or five under on the back nine on Saturday. And then on Sunday, not felt like nothing changed and I shot five over. It was just like it like no putts dropped. There was a few three putts in there, a few unlucky breaks. And I was like, oh, like it was I was so deflated after that. And then and then Queensland PJ rolled up and I shot four under first day, putted unbelievably. And then we had just carnage weather the second day and I just got around in square and all of a sudden I was second again. I was like, I'm, I'm up here again. Like, and then, then it's from there, it, like the confidence just grew. And now it's just, it's just like it's, I'm playing with freedom, I think. Like, like not obviously like the rollover set, like we get to keep our categories for, for the tour and all that, but, knowing that like I've had results in the last couple of months that I can roll off that. Like, I'm not, like, so let's so say like next week, if I shoot three over in the first round in the back of my mind going, I've been playing very well this year. Like just got to stay patient and do all the little things and you never know. It could end up winning, but um, yeah, it's, it's been great to actually just play events, actually traveling from week to week. Like the, six week or the seven week stretch where we had six events it was just brilliant just going from week to week to week that's what it should feel like the um the aussie pga you, you obviously mentioned it there three really really good rounds like those first three days outstanding particularly 68 69 particularly saturday 66 to throw your name in the ring obviously you mentioned everyone was chasing Jed, who was just bloody yeah. miles, miles out in front yeah. do, do you walk away on sunday um, deflated, I guess, with your Sunday back nine performance, or do you walk away and go, shit, I'm only in my first, you know, real handful, I guess, of professional starts, and I finished top ten in one of our country's biggest events. Yeah, cause, yeah, that's exactly like there was so many emotions coming off that at eighth green because I think at the, I think it all hit me on that eighteenth green like what just happened and yeah it 
because of like the rewards we get for the order of merit, like that was costly. Like from what from what I saw, like I felt like if we're just trying to shot even par, like it's it's top three. And but then at the same time, it's like I haven't. I, that was my first top ten in since my second event as a pro, which was twenty nineteen. I don't know, top 10 in, in ages, like two, two and a half years. I got played, I played quite a few events in that time. And yeah, it was, it was good because I was just like, okay, like, like it was just one bad nine. Yeah, nerves did get there. Like, I'm not going to say they weren't there. It was, it was there. Like, I was nowhere near the lead, but there's so much more to play at stake. And that's, I don't think many people actually realize. And they're like, oh, like, what was different? Like, you weren't even near the lead. I'm like, well, yeah, but there's other things at stake. Like, you don't necessarily think about it, but in the like in the back of your mind, it's it's there, like just pinching at you, and it's it's a shit in the brain. It's it's a bit annoying at times. <laughs> um, you were you were talking about practice. In the words of Alan Iverson, you were talking about practice before, and uh, we had Blake Collier on recently, and he mentioned that he's been doing a very similar thing that he's just been playing holes and trying to score, whereas we had. Yeah. Uh, we've had other players on who they know their swing speed. They know their launch angle. We had Cassie Porter on last week who she couldn't even tell us her swing speed. Which camp do you <laughs> fall into? Are you, are you numbers data man or are you just don't give a shit about it? As long as the ball goes straight in the hole, that's all I care about. Pretty much. Like there was a time <laughs> where like me, myself and Blake were trying to, like we're trying to get faster in the gym. Like myself and Blake were in, um, in the VIS together for for uh, since 2015, so we've we've known each other for a long time, and yeah, there was a period there we we're trying to get our club speeds up, and yeah, it was quite quite fun. But oh man, technology's great, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it can just ruin players, and I'm just not the technology type. Just get me out on the golf course, and yeah, and you you learn from. You, you learn from experience like you try it if it works it works if it doesn't just piss it off as, as fast as you can no no mucking around like, there's no there's no point um and that's that's what the, and it's taken me oh well since the term probably it's taken me two and a half years to actually figure that out um some players it may take longer i, I don't know some players it may take quicker but yeah i play i play a lot of golf like i play way more than I practice. I feels like the only practice I do is probably drills in my warm up to go actually out and play. Like even like play with a few mates this morning and like I rocked up, got a coffee, had a couple of parts and looked straight out there. Like and like that and I I I've done that since the start of around about November time, December time where I went out with like with no warm up. I did did all the stretches, get the body moving all that because that's important. But learning how to score when you don't have a feel, I think is like really important. I think just with like muscle memory and all that, all that bullshit. But it it channel like it channels in like targets, what shots you want to play, rather than you're working on your swing on the range. Or it shouldn't be. It should be just a warm up. There's a couple of drills that you do at the start, but that warm up should be just literally. It feels like for me, it's just like 10 to 15 balls and I'm done. Like, like just get me out there, get like, get me playing. So, yeah, I've been doing that heaps. And, like, I've like I've shot 
two 11 unders last week, <laughs> not even going to the range beforehand. <laughs> like, it was just silly. Like, but like, so, and, and also, it, I think sometimes with either, like, if you're running late to tea times, like, if there's bad traffic or something, something's going on, like, you don't stress because you're not, you don't hit the 50 balls like before, before you tee off. Like, I can literally have two swings and I'm ready to go. So it, it it could help in certain areas, but that's just me. And it's going it's going well, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. I was going to say it, it must, in a funny way, feel a bit liberating because it's probably easy to get to the range and you know hit maybe ten or fifteen balls and walk away, as opposed to you get to twenty, you get to thirty, maybe you start rethinking yourself, and you almost get in a situation where you hit too many balls on the range. 100%. And then, you, like, your head noise walking up to the first tee box. It's funny as well. I read a quote recently. I think it was from Lee Trevino. And I'm paraphrasing. But he essentially said something like, I already swing 70 or 80 times in a round. Why on earth would I waste my time with practice swings or going to the range? And, 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 and that was like, I'd never thought about it like that. And, and as soon as I read it, I was like, why have I never approached the game like this? Yeah. It's, pretty, it's incredible, isn't it? Just a different way of looking at it. But then also, like, it's – you have to do certain things in your off-season. I, I, I'm, like, like this year, like, we've, I've worked on stuff with my swing with my coach Marty and trying to just, like, I get into old patterns. I can still play with it, but just making sure that it go, doesn't go too far the wrong way. Um, but there's a time and place for that. I think, and when you're when you're practicing to to score, that's where I think it's like it's it's important just to have no head noise. Like what you said, like for me, like the less is more. I think, like just give just give me two balls, I'll I'll figure a way out, and give me fifty balls, and I'll be like, oh, how do I? Should I grip the club like this, or should, should, I, should I have it more out here, or like should I have it more in here? Like it just, yeah, it, it's too, it's too much for me. <laughs> this is this is probably going off on a tangent I didn't expect, and we will get you know back to your story, Dave. But that's right. Is it? I don't know. Is it, is it almost? Um, is it difficult to let yourself? Uh, be that free in the sense of your preparation? Because I imagine when you are coming up and, you know, you make a decision to turn bro, everything around you points towards the harder you work or the more you do mm. leads to better golf. And I think, like, we've spoken to plenty of guys and girls in this podcast. I think of someone like Daniel Gale. Gale, he works his tail off, right? <laughs> he always just seems to be hitting the ball. Yeah. And, and, we, and we say that it's inevitable that he will win at some stage this summer. It ha just has I to start. happen by virtue of sheer work. Yeah. So the, the flip side of that for you, there's probably a bit of a lead up to give yourself the freedom to know what's best for you mm -hmm. and understand that despite all the things around me in terms of the people I play alongside, that, that's, that doesn't work for me. Good for you, Gailey, and I'm proud of you and happy for you. But I know for, for Dave Nicolucci what I have to do mm. to rock up and play good golf. Exactly. You've, you've now hit the nail on the head there. It's, yeah, it's whatever. Like, they, they say, like, there's a certain amount of hours to to be successful. I'm just, nah, I'm not all about that. <laughs> like, 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 I do, like, I do, do the short game, do the whole putting stuff, but, like, 
yeah, just the range. The range is just there should there shouldn't be a range. I think <laughs> it's a little boring. Just, it's it? not. It's not golf boring. It's just. It's just. Yeah, it is. It is boring. Like you, you warm up and then you're just like, oh, he'll hook around this sign or he But that's also good practice too, because then you start visualizing shots and all that. But like you look at other sports, like you look at like you send look at look at footy, you look at look at soccer, you look at basketball, all those, like they're actually playing the game. Like they're kicking into a goal that is the size of a goal. They they're like AFL players, they're playing against other AFL players on an AFL field. We're not competing against each other on a range. Like it's just like yeah, just a just a waste of land. I could have three other chipping greens on there. That would be sick. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my thought. But no, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, but the one thing I will say is, um, fast forward ten or fifteen years, uh, and and believe me, by the time you have two or three kids, an hour at the range is like your sanctuary. So the range is not. <laughs> not that overrated when you get to a point in your life as what I imagine it probably is for you right now, because uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll beg for an hour at the range. <laughs> yeah. The range is a wonderful place uh, at a certain point of your life. Dave, um, let's go back to uh, the beginning. So you mentioned the Victoria's home. You've, you've had a chance to, um, to be back there a little bit. Uh, what, what's, what's the genesis, the origins of your, your relationship with golf? How did it all start there in Victoria? I started when I was pretty young. Eh? I was, um, my uh, uh, my nonna, she uh, she got me a plastic set of clubs when I was about uh, two or three. Just loved in, just loved in the golf ball in the house, and and yeah, dad got these got these clubs, cut them down, and we went to the range, and I was just hooked. And then um, just did that for a couple of years, and I just loved it. And then we went to Cranbourne Golf Club, um, where they actually host an Aussie Amateur this week, starts tomorrow. So um, yeah, I've played. I'm I'm still there. It's been my home. Well, been my second home for twenty years. Just yeah, it's like that's yeah, that's where I started. That's yeah, my home. Like I've I've learned so much at that place. And um, I don't know if you guys have heard the news that um, it's actually going to be no longer Cranbourne Golf Club. Um, yeah. shutting in like twenty twenty five. So it's uh, going to be a few a few tears coming out coming out of my eyes uh, when that goes. But, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I played a lot of junior golf um, till I was uh, till I was about 15, like never really thought about state teams and all that. And then, yeah, got into the state teams for the last, last few years with uh, Ryan Ruffles, Zach Murray, Blake Collier, uh, Brody Cleto and, and those boys. And, yeah, then we built up into, into the senior state teams and, and all that. And then we started going internationally, playing all these international events. And most of those boys turned pro before I did. And and yeah, it's it's been a it's been a journey. Why why is Cranbourne going? And if you say housing estate, that'll fucking do me. The golf. <laughs> no, oh, it's, nah, it's 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 uh, I don't know the exact details, but it's something to do with the land tax. Um with like yeah housing development and because they they cut they they took uh one hole away i think four years ago and they built houses and it somehow created some issue and 
they owed a lot of tax, which they didn't pay. And then, yeah, the, the club just can't can't afford it, unfortunately. And it's sad to see because, yes, it's going to – it's just going to be houses. Now. Yeah. Not- yeah, we, uh, it's, it's, it's not a – uncommon issue i think with golf courses in in this country i played the yeah. i played the vines on sunday uh saturday yes uh, two days ago and they're yeah. losing nine holes out of their 36 which is you know once hosted some of the great tournaments um over here yeah. in, w- in wa so in WA. very um saddening it, it is interesting um dave because there's not often that we talk to people um, of Italian heritage on this podcast. And Marsh, you, you can just shut up and indulge us here for five minutes. So, oh, Nathan, Nathan's <laughs> going back to the. Yeah, That's exactly beautiful. how my daughter says my name. But how, how, how was golf received in your house, mate? Did you, did obviously Italian parents, did mum and dad play? Did they know what golf was? Like, what was it? Because I'm sure, you know, Italian parents were probably pushing you towards football being the round ball game. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, how did, how did golf yeah, end up, no, obviously? I'm- I started so young. I think dad played a little bit, but not not a whole lot. And mum never played. Now we live in a golfing estate. Now they're both members of a golf club. It's just it's just weird seeing them seeing them play and all that. Mum's like really getting into it. She's doing all the the nine and nine and wine shit and all that. Getting pissed with her friends on Sunday. She's loving it. I don't know. She's loving the golf or the wine. It's more. <laughs> but um. Oh, it's a, no one no one played in my family. It was, was kind of weird. Um, and now all my cousins play and like, we went to the driving range the other night and absolute pisser. Absolute pisser. They're like they like they played they played football, cricket and all that. So they they're pretty athletic and they can they can bomb it, but fuck they hit it sideways, eh? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it yeah, it's just fascinating. Like think about Italian families growing up and and you know, I was very much into AFL and, and football and stuff yeah. growing up. And even now going back to golf clubs, you very rarely see Italian mums and dads out on the golf course. It's certainly very true. You know, it's very certainly true. Australian, well, very much Australian and, and you know, British, I guess. Um, but no, yeah. that's very interesting. <laughs> that's your, yeah. that's how it all came about. Marshy. Yeah. I just, well, just wanted to, a question along those lines that we talked to a lot of people who uh, generally had posters of Tiger up on the bedroom wall. Were you uh, more of a Matteo Manassero man, Eduardo <laughs> Molinari? Who, who, was, who was the golfing the golfing idol uh, coming up uh, in, in the proud Italian household? I think growing, like when I really, really like got serious about golf was when Rory started winning those majors. So it was about when I was about 15. So he's... He's been a, a pretty big influence in how I play the game as well. Like, I, I, I don't hit it as good as he does, but I try to, like, emulate what, what he does. And he, he was he was pretty big. Obviously, Tiger, like, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty dumb to say that like, you don't – you don't, like, Tiger's an idol. Like, what he's done in the game, what he did after all that, all that shit after – 2009 and then with the the back surgery and all that it's just like how can you like how can you not like the guy like he's just he's the goat like he's so good and um but Rory was Rory was he was my idol just because because Tiger wasn't really playing I think he may have been in and out might have been a bit in so like 
I watched a, obviously I watched a little bit of his like 2000 era, but I was like kind of, I was kind of in between sports. Like I, I did, I played a bit of basketball. I did gymnastics. Um, and I, so I didn't really follow it that much, but I always, always played it. I always thought it was fun, but yeah. And then once I started, started getting serious about it, that's when, yeah, Rory was, was take, was taken off and yeah. Look what he's done now. It's four majors, won twenty something times on the PJ Tours. Made a pretty good career out of himself, eh? And most importantly, he's on the right side of the uh, Ryder Cup ledger uh, for for the Correct. family, Team Europe. So that's Correct. good. That's exactly. good. That's what exactly. we like to see. The Ryder um, Cup killed me this year, or last year. You, you just mentioned, uh, and again, I referenced probably a number of people we've spoken to, and being a two sport athlete. It's not uncommon for, for kids, particularly golfers, whether it was cricket or footy. Um, talk to me about the crossover between gymnastics and golf. It, I, I imagine the uh, the nimble nature of the gymnast body does in many aspects actually quite help in terms of your flexibility yeah. and your range of motion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very strong, very quickly. So I only did it for about, I think it was about two to three years. I was pretty young. I can still do a lot of like, the flips and stuff no backflips but um i can still do quite a bit of stuff i've got yeah heaps of range of motion i've like that's stayed with me for well, since since then and yeah i just did it just for fun and then yeah it kind of stopped because i think i don't know we just, we just couldn't get there on that certain day and same with basketball i just we just couldn't get get there on that certain day at that certain time so i just stopped playing those sports and then yeah, golf was golf was the only one left. So I'm like, nah, whatever. I was probably better at golf than all the other sports anyway. So, so yeah. And but then, yeah, gymnastics is gymnastics is. Oh, I think it's I think it's brilliant. Like my body moves weirdly. Like I have a quite quite unique, pretty unique swing with like how how um extended I get through um the rib cage. So I get very high and I get like quite long and. It's just, I've just got so much range of motion through like spine, thoracic and all that, um, that my body can handle it. But if say, oh, other than, can be, it can be anyone. If they try to do what I did, they'd probably almost break in half. It's just, it's just what I, it's just, it's just what I've been, what I've been doing for the last 12 to 14 years of playing golf. I've always got extended and, always try to hit big roping draws. So I try to hit it harder and harder and harder. And that probably got made it go worse and worse, trying to belt the absolute shit out of it. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been quite handy having the flexibility on my side. Hopefully, like injury prevention and all that, it, it helps in the future as well. Tell us about those first few state teams. So you, you kind of, you, you make it, I think you said 15, 16, you kind of first state team there in Victoria. And by the sounds of it, 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 well, it didn't come unexpected, but it wasn't necessarily something you were aiming for. Then you get onto a team and you're playing with guys, you say like Collier, Murray, Ruffles, yeah. prodigious golf talents. More broadly, there would have been a heap of them across the Victorian system. So was it a bit of a light bulb moment for you to go, okay, this is cool, but if I actually want to do this long-term, I'm acutely aware of the areas that I need to improve now that it's very apparent and in front of me in terms of the, the talent that's around me in my age group in Victoria? 100%. We, um, me and a few mates actually laugh about it, about um, 
the, the, the last interstate series. So I played, I was a development player in 2012, I think it was. I was 15. Then I played the next year in Perth. And then the last year was in Victoria, which we absolutely dominated, by the way. Like I was, I had a very good year the year before in 2013. And, and yeah, I was playing, was playing pretty solid golf. And then kind of went into a little slump, like didn't play as great. And then that interstate series rolled up and the whole team was playing better than I was. And I was just like, and we'll absolutely dominate. Like the mat, I only played three matches because other guys played the better teams and, um, well, yeah, better teams. And I got dropped for the better teams and I played um, the lower teams and I played number five. And like, I won all those matches, like five and four, four and three. Or, like, and yeah, after that week was just like, how good are these guys? Like, I feel like I'm not, don't want to brag, but I felt like if, if I was on any other state team, I was playing one or two, maybe maybe three, and like I was barely getting the game. I was just like, I've got to, I literally got to lift my shit and actually do something. And yeah, from there, from, I think from there it it got so like I, I started working a lot harder, starting to focus on it a little bit more, and yeah, and then yeah, started playing really really well, and then yeah, through probably to 2017, 28, end of 2017, I was kind of just plateauing a little bit. I was about top 100 in the world, maybe top 80 in the world. And then something clicked. I don't know what it was, but I just started winning everything. It was quite, it was quite fun because I haven't won since 2018. And I kind of want to know what that feeling's like. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, being a mad roller coaster ride, eh? Well, take us take us through those wins. Obviously, I mean, yeah. probably more broadly, how do you sum up your your amateur career? I mean, master of the amateurs win in, in January twenty eighteen is is something that clearly stands out. But how do you sum up your amateur career? Because there's been other people on this podcast who have mentioned your name who have said that coming up against you in amateur events was something that they definitely didn't want to do. I, I'm reticent to name names but it was like <laughs> fuck like I, I like I, I've, I've i've been drawn against mika and it's like shit like you know it's gonna be tough tough here today so like how do you sum up your your obviously your amateur career and particularly that master of the amateurs win in 2018 well geez like looking at probably where i was in 20 mid 2017 early 2017 I would never have thought I would have got to number two in the world like it was it, it was it was amazing golf obviously that that stretch really helped because because the the uh, the rankings went from a year uh, cycle to two years so I got to keep the points from from the Marcy amateurs the Aussie am and all that till I turned pro so like essentially stayed up in the top five for, for a year and stayed there. And yes, yeah, like I won, I won the, won the Vic Am, won the Master Ams, came second to the Aussie Am. Uh, there's a couple of, I came like quarterfinals and Bush Am. And then, yeah, that I had like came second to WI Open, fifth to Aussie Open as an Am. And yeah, it was, it was, I, I never thought I would have done that. Like, like looking back on it, it was like, holy shit, like, 
actually really did something. Like obviously there was there was guys like you, you got Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Matt Wolf, Justin Sather, Min Wu as well. They were all above me around the early 2019 part. So I was probably about five or six at the time. But even just to be around that area of players, like looking what I think those three guys, well, four guys are doing, like the like men's playing the Masters, same with Victor, same with Colin. I don't know if Maddie, Maddie's playing the Masters, but like, like I was like around them and like to look back on it, it was pretty cool. And yeah, I'm not, like, if you asked me, if you told me when I was like 18 or 19 that you're going to do this, I would have been like, bullshit, mate. What <laughs> are you talking about? Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a cool experience traveling, playing the best tournaments in the world, played a couple of US AMs, heap, whole, whole heap of uh, British AMs, played a world AM, Aussie Open as, as an amateur, and then top, like top five. And yeah, there's been. Been, been some cool memories that I can, yeah, think back of and go, oh, yeah, that was, that was pretty sick. And a few, few of my mates look back and like, oh, yeah, like he did this at Aussie M, like won the stroke. Like we were talking about the the stroke play because Aussie M's gone stroke play now. What would have happened in 2019 when I was seven shots in front after two days? Like what would have happened? Instead, of that, <laughs> instead, I, get, uh, instead I get beaten by Crow in the first round, who just yeah. won the... <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I've just gone eight under, eight under, and then I roll into Howie who shoots like five or six under in the first round, and I get beaten. I'm just like, oh, well, that was quick. <laughs> best, best, best week of golf I've had, and I've got I've, I haven't even made it to the round of thirty-two. But um, yeah, it's just cool, cool looking back, cool just talking about it to to people and and all that and. Hopefully I can do that with my professional career as well and yeah, see what happens. We always say there's so many paths to becoming a pro, whether you, you know, you turn pro at the age of 17, like actually, but you go to college, you, you know, you stay amateur for your entire career. You may not even turn professional, but I guess what was, you know, your decision behind, I guess, you know, staying amateur as long as you did after some incredible um, performances, as you said, you know, you rattled them all off there. But in in 2018, I'm just looking back here. There's at least six or seven top tens in significant tournaments. So I guess mm. why, you know, not criticizing your decision, but why did you stay yeah, am, yeah. am as long as you did? And you know, was college ever an option to go over to the states? Obviously, you know, there's plenty of options in that path. Like, how did that all sort of pan out for you? Well, the college part was never an option because I was shit at school. I <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. So that was out. Um, the, we had the VIS here as well, which was which was very handy. I literally went straight from high school into that. So that was very handy. Um, didn't basically did, like didn't have a year to myself. I just yeah, went straight from straight from school, straight to into training. It was great. Um, so what was the first part you asked? Oh, about um why I didn't why didn't turn pro earlier? Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um the I just I feel like what's one year gonna do in your whole life? Uh, I thought if I like I'm that high in the world ranking in the Aussie ranking that like I sh- I feel like I should get some starts in some in some professional events, um, get to play with some some pretty cool players uh, in 
hiring groups that that's on TV and all that. And I just thought that one more year of just exposure to to TV, to media, all that kind of stuff was, I think, was pretty crucial. Some say I, I, I should have turned pro in 2018, like end of 2018. Um, I don't look back and go, oh, I should have turned pro then. I, like when I turned pro was the right time. I got to do what I wanted to do. I I played at USM. I qualified for USM being, being top 50. I, I, did, I played Asian AM and was I was one of the top ranked amateurs there. Playing with cameras and all that, that's just something that you don't learn unless you're in that situation. And hopefully in my career, I get to do that. I did it at OSPJ, but hopefully down the line, I get to do it more. It's something that you you can't prepare for with not doing it. Like, yeah, you have to, you have to live it. You have to breathe it to actually know what to do in those situations. And we, like myself and one of my mates, we're talking about like, what can we do to actually um, work our way around the cameras? So, cause I'm a very quick golfer. So once the, once I'm hit shot, like I've already got the number in my, I, I, I cannot stand slow, slow play noise shit at me. Anyway, I'm ready to go. And then, you got these three guys with the camera, with the mic, and holding the bloody extension cord, running like sprinting from one side of the fair to the other, and then you get you you get distracted, and then you got you got no idea what's going on. So, not doing the yardage, like doing the yardages when they get there, like you get, I think it's forty seconds now, the so-called rule that is not really implemented anyway. But um, yeah. So what what can you do to to make you feel uh, to make you uh, as focused as you can hitting that shot into the green or around the greens and all that? Yeah, I think that that's quite important. And yeah, but yeah, you can't you can't you can't learn that shit by not doing it. So that so that's one of the reasons why I stayed amateur. Um, and yeah, like why well, turned down like a lot of Great, great deals turning pro when, like, yeah, I just like I just thought one more year don't won't it won't change my life unless I win an Asian amateur or something like that or a US amateur. Like that would probably that would help my career. Probably wouldn't change my life, but yeah. So yeah, so, so I, I hear all that, and that makes complete sense. Can you take this? into a situation because I've always been curious. We've seen a couple of examples of this. Um, Steph Kriaku did it a couple of years ago with the Ladies European Tour event at Bonville. Um, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the the New South Wales Open with Crowley most recently. Does it even factor into your head of what you're sacrificing by remaining in amateur? Because I imagine someone like yourself, a fifth place finish in a Aussie Open, that, that would have been a handy purse to take home, even a fifth place uh, as a young man. So are you, is that even in the back of your mind or, or, or do you not let it enter the equation given like I've come as an amateur, I have a plan, I'm committed to it. And you know, that windfall will come at the time that I make the decision to... to, to yeah, I think a win's different. Um, so, for example, looking back at WA Open when Zach won it, over myself like he turned pro i think two weeks after so i would have stayed 
I think I don't I don't know how long I would have stayed for, but I would stay amateur for the rest of the year. Um, with the money side of like, oh shit, that would have been a nice paycheck. If you if you're doing if you're doing that kind of stuff in tournaments as an amateur, I'm sure you're going to do it as a pro. So, what's forty five or what's twenty to forty five grand, or if not more? I think it's like you if you're good if you're good enough, you're going to make a hundred times more than mm. that. So it shouldn't it shouldn't really matter. I, I never I never thought of it. Mum always says like, oh. Like imagine if you did that, like you would want a want a bit of money. It's just like, yeah, mum. But it's yeah, it's it's not about now. That's the Italian, what, mate. That's what, what, what <laughs> yeah, legit, legit. <laughs> Save your money. Yeah. <laughs> My nonna always tells me every time the Australian Open comes around, uh, a tennis. She goes, "Geez, you should have played yeah. tennis. Geez, you should have played tennis. You would have been good at tennis." I was like, do you know how fucking good these guys are that like come out here and like Roger Federer is like that much of a percent of every tennis player? But there you go, yeah. the Italian. That's it. That's it. That's it. Take us, uh, Dave. Take us, take us into twenty twenty because I mean we, we kind of spoke about it briefly at the very beginning, and and you've made the decision to turn pro. You've got some standing momentum off the back of that that amateur period that you flagged. And I imagine you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like pro golf. Um, yeah, it's going to have its challenges, but, geez, I've, I've come off the back of some pretty hot form and I'm ready. Yeah. And then you get absolutely kicked in the sack, um, as with most people, uh, yeah. you know, golf or otherwise around the world. So walk us through maybe how you dealt with it initially, but then how, you know, how you continue to adapt and, and just keep yourself in a good headspace as, as it dragged on and on and on. Yeah, so like 2019, 2020 was weird because uh, it kind of like I could feel something like going like downhill. I just didn't know when it was going to be. And like I, I played solid when I, turned, when I just turned pro. I went to Q school, made I, I played really well the weekend to, to make the final stage and played all right for three rounds. I had a pretty good third round and was – had my chance to to make the cut and get full challenged to a card and uh, potentially get a European tour card. And I had probably one of the worst back nines you've ever seen, like three times worse than what the OSPJ was like. And that was my first ever defeat as a pro where I was just like, I've just lost. Like I've just lost a lot of things here just from one nine holes of golf. That kind of ate me a little bit. I played, like, I played Aussie. Came back, played Aussie Open and all that. I did did all right. And then coming into the start of the year, I, I traveled. I actually did a lot of traveling. I was, yeah, I went from, went to Europe for Q school, came back, played a few events here, went to South Africa, played South African Open, went to Singapore, Singapore Open, came home for four days, went to Saudi for Saudi International, came back for Vic Open. And with... The, the shit that happened at Q school, then going into those events, there was a massive snowball effect on, I played pretty average. I missed a couple cuts. And then COVID kicked in and I kind of got my game back just before COVID hit. So I was going to play, I think I was going to go over to Europe in 
April and May sometime, like hopefully get some starts and challenge tour and, and all that. And yeah, then all that kicked in and Victoria just got absolutely hammered with the lockdowns. Um, and yeah, it was just like park it up for, for however, however long. And you got a lot of time to think about shit, eh? When you're just sitting there doing nothing and some weird shit comes into your head, you're going, oh, like, because it was weird because, like, I, I didn't play good at all leading into COVID. So all I remember was just shit play. And through that COVID time, it was fucking brutal. Just really with, with everything, like, like not even, not even, like we could only go outside for an hour a day, like, like what the fuck, man? Like I'm all like, uh, yeah, I don't want to get into that bullshit. But it, it just, it like just everything just compacted into something that wasn't that big at the start with like my golf and all that, and then yeah, just like by the end of the lockdowns, it's just like my brain's fucked. Like I can't like. I can't think straight anymore. And then we got to play some events late, uh, late, late 2020, early 2021. And I played all right. And then because we had, there was an extended season. And I, the events I played in were the only, just the small ones. Um, I made six or seven cuts, but I had to go back to Q school. And I'm like, fuck, like, oh my God, I've got to, got to try, try and get my card here. And then, then I played, I played, so well, super patient. It was probably one of my best weeks on a golf course back Q school. Came second, got my card, and then I'm like, okay, like we're, we're building on some, some momentum here. And then, like what I said, like going overseas and for four months and just playing utter dog shit. I just really had to like reevaluate everything. So, like that whole like two and a half years was fucking horrible. I mean, like, it, it was shit. It was absolute shit. But at the same time, it was good—a good learning experience. Like it was, it 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 may have affected my mental health. I probably don't know how much it did, but, but yeah, there was times like fuck. I'm like, am I doing the right profession here? Like, fuck. Like I haven't played well in two years. Like, is this ever going to come back? And then, like, getting some events back and like having a schedule, and I feel like doing the right things that. Now I feel like I'm back in the in the right headspace and, and the right practice headspace and all that. So, yeah, it was it was, it was a brutal time. It was a brutal, I mean, it was a brutal time for everyone. Like people losing houses and shit like, like that. It's just like lo- like losing their lives and all that. It's just horrible. Like mine mine is just minimal to what other people face. So you also got to put that into perspective as well. Like like very fortunate that I still live at home with my parents. Like I didn't have to pay for anything in that in that time and yeah just thankful that i was in a situation where i i didn't struggle that bad but with all with my my profession it yeah it took a toll i bet yeah and you're certainly not alone in in all those feelings that you've um that you've just conveyed there we've spoken to plenty of people in the past six seven months who have said exactly the same things but you have come back as we mentioned and doing full circle back to the top of the show we said you know how well you've played this year you're currently 14th on the order of merit um i mean how do you assess your your chances of uh getting a card 
on the GP World Tour for 2022? Is it still? I think it's mathematically possible. I was trying to work it out before. I think you'd maybe have to win every event from here on out. But I think you, uh, well, I, I feel like I'm I'm due for a win. Yeah, it's been, been a while. It's been four years. Well, you're so coming over I here to have, WA soon, so you, you might crack it yeah. here. I, I don't know. You've, yeah. you've been good over maybe. here previously. Yeah, yeah, I I played a lot in WA and WA Open, obviously good memories and WA PGA was my first pro event as mm. well. So, so yeah, yeah, I oh, it's never, it's never over till it's over. Like it's an old fashioned saying, but I just got to just got to do what I I, I got to do. Be patient. Do all the little the little annoying shit that gets it gets it in the way. Like you. It's funny, I was speaking to my coach the other day about my putting because the New South Wales Open, I hit 31 or 36 greens and I shot two under, I'd only had four birdies and made two soft bogeys. It's just like, I'm over this patient shit. Like, <laughs> I, just, just, I just need, I just, like, fuck this. I'm, I'm just, I just want to fucking do it, man. Like, yeah. And yeah, it, but at the same time, you, you have to... You have to rein yourself in. You got to be a bit patient, and and yeah, I to me, I like my chances. I like my chances for at least to win. If I don't, I feel like if I don't win these one of these last four, I'll be pretty disappointed. Um, if that's cocky, not, but no, that's just that's just how I'm feeling at the moment. It's golf's and my golf's in a, in a great spot at the moment. Got a good team around me. Everything feels feels comfortable. Um, yeah, just just ready to go. Well, if you look at form lines, it's bound to happen, right? Surely, surely it's yeah. going to happen. But I was uh, I was in doing a bit of research that's not Instagram, uh, which is very rare for this uh, podcast. Um, I found oh, no. I found a great article uh, that that talked about um, you speaking with Shane Lowry. Um, and, and I oh, wanted to, yes. I had had to do a real, um, double take on, on this, um, because, yeah. uh, the photo that accompanies the article could not look further like anyone else, uh, than you do right now. So I've, 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 I'm confident that I've done all my research correctly, but can you take us through um, uh, talking to Shane? Because uh, he is and has been since the start of this podcast. Um, I don't know what the idol, Marsh. What do you call him? He's the cover photo on our. On our well, I, uh, holding yeah, so jug in a pub. So he's yeah. So he's so for 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 Mick's benefit, um, obviously he's following us on all, all social platforms. <laughs> that the podcast, but uh, you probably have scrolled past the cover photo, and that's fine. It is. Um, it's Shane Lowry. Uh, in the pub in Dublin after he won the Open Championship in 2018. Mm-hmm. He drove back down from North Island down to his favourite pub in Dublin and he's on yeah. the table singing Fields of Athen Rye with the claret jug and and a drink. And, and we often say that um, Shane Larry in that moment, not necessarily Shane Larry on the golf course, but Shane Larry in that moment is the spirit animal of this podcast. Mm. Correct. Brilliant. So. Brilliant. Long story he's, short, yeah. take us through Shane. Because <laughs> we've never had anyone who's spoken well, to him before, Marshy. I think this is geez. a first. No, this is the first yeah, time. This, how, are you, this, how are you, David? How are you, David? <laughs> <laughs> this was actually pretty cool. It was at Saudi. Um, myself and Min Wu, like, I think it was his first or second year. It might have been his second year out. Uh, I think he played the year before. So we'll catch, we're going on to this yacht. So we had um, all the invitees in the top 
50 players in the world got to go, got to go on this yacht, um, meet the tournament host and all that, have, have, have a good time and, and all. So we were going onto this little boat that was going to take us onto the yacht. So we get there a little bit early. So we sit, we sit down and we're just sitting there like, oh, when are we going? The guy's just like, oh, we're just going to wait for a few, like, a few more people. Like Max, we can fit on here as eight. So, like, six, six people. Like, cool, whatever. First time comes Polter. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Anyway, and then DJ comes on. Like, is this even happening? I've never seen DJ like, in real life. I'm just like, fuck, you're actually taller than I thought, eh? Um, <laughs> and, and then Shane comes on with his caddy. I think, yeah, I think it was his caddy. I think, I think Brooks came on. And it might have been someone, there was someone else. It might have been Abe Answer. We had, we had, so I played with Abe Answer at Aussie Open. So it might have been him and his manager. So I might be, I might have added someone in there. Anyway, so we go, we go into this yacht and um, we're just sitting there and all that. And Shane knows quite a few of the amateurs that I played amateur golf with. Um, I, I think he knows John and Murphy, Connor Purcell, um, the guys I played Eisenhower with. And yeah, we just got to, just got to chatting, and yeah, he just gave me some amazing advice. So I, I said, I think I said earlier, like if you've played that good as an amateur, if you keep doing the right things, you will do it as a pro. And that's basically what he said, and that's just stuck in my mind the whole time. And I think Tony may have done that interview, mm. and uh, yeah, that's exactly. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I what I said. And yeah, he was just awesome, like just. Like, just treated me like I was another, like another, another person. Like, he just won the open. Like, he's there with with a beer in his hand, just having a good old yarn. Like, it was, it was so, it was cool. It was, yeah, very, very unexpected. I didn't, and then yeah, got to speak to his caddy. He's been on his bag for I think for a while, and I was gonna say, looks like his dad, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just yeah, just got some awesome advice off him, and just yeah, how he plays golf. I asked him a lot of questions on like playing and and like what he does and all that. He's so open, like so so helpful, and apparently that's what a lot of the guys are like on tour. And it's just, yeah, it's just cool cool to see because I don't think many people actually know that about most of the players that are on the tour. And yeah, like. Yeah, it was just a, it was a very it was a very cool moment. Has only elevated Shane, I think, in our thinking that Agreed. story. Uh, if that was possible. Now, a um, couple of quick ones to finish. What do you what do you do away from golf? What what are you, what are your passions and loves away from the game of golf? If memory serves correct from some recent stories on the grand, uh, big F one guy. Yeah, yeah. I stayed up, stayed up and watched it last night. Absolutely <laughs> knackered. Yeah, <laughs> like um, no, I actually, sorry, no, I did nap for a little bit, nap for like a few hours, and then I woke up when it started. Uh, yeah, F1, I don't really, I don't really follow AFL. Um, yeah, big, yeah, love, yeah, just love the controversy in F1. It's just so much, so much fun. The Lewis Max rivalry, it's brilliant. I'm a, I'm a Max fan just because it's just so ruthless. It's just, just brilliant. Okay. I don't know how I don't know how people think about that, but uh, I was very happy when he crossed over the line last year. It was 
I went, I went ballistic. But um, oh, I love, love cars. I've got, a, I've got a V8 myself. It's, yeah, we, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah don't, 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 don't raise ahead of yourself. Just on F one, pun intended. Just on F one. So, part Max, are you a Max man or a Red Bull man? And if you're just a Max man, do you have a team? Who's your team in F one? McLaren's my team. Okay, I've, there got we go. jump, I've got a jumper to prove it. I bought a jumper, okay. so I don't know if, if you if you buy something of of a team, that's sure. Oh, obviously, yeah, that's so, your team. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm a McLaren fan. Yeah. Obviously, Danny Rick, Lando, like two of the funniest bastards on the on the F1 grid, and I just I love I love Red I love Red Bull. I just I love Max, like Max, just how he like he is aggressive. He's just he's just an aggressive beast and but i just love like he's just full attack mode and mm. i feel like like I, i'm trying to like take that into golf where like i'm not out here just to bunt around try and shoot par like i want to try and shoot 60 every round mm. just take on take on shots if that gets me into trouble i learn from it and i don't know if he does the same obviously with going around corners at 170 mile an hour but it's a bit different in the in the golf shot, and you go, oh shit, it's short sided rather than being in a wall at fifty G's. Mm. So a bit different, but uh, yeah, just that mentality. I just think it's I think it's brilliant. Um, they're just they're animals, all of them. Going down that speed, I, I shoot myself when I do like one twenty. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> uh, uh, brilliant. Now let's let's get to the car. So there's a couple of things here. Um, Nathan flagged. Instagram is a primary source of research for this podcast, which I rate um, in terms of a source just one above Wikipedia. So I think we're we're well sourced here on the 19th tee. Lovely. A couple of things I did notice. First and foremost, you don't appear to have had an account until the middle of 2020, which is I like- shut off my shut off my account in uh, around about that time. I okay. just I just I there's I just feel like I needed to get out of there. Okay. Out of that, like, yeah, I just, I just needed, I just needed to get out. I just started, started fresh. I didn't, like having a lot of followers is is good, but geez, it's just social media, just in general, it's just shit. It's just shit. With neg- negative people and just, just garbage. So it, for, for, it, it started as just a private account. I just wanted to follow follow the pages that I wanted to follow and and um. And yeah, then yeah, my manager said oh, we got to get you on public, like kind of gotta build a brand here. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it, and yeah, I, I I post a few things about golf, but I post other stuff as well. Like, don't really post rant around. Sometimes I do if I feel like it. Sometimes I don't. So, am so I, this is am I the perfect marketing guy or what? This is this is this is the part I'm interested in, right? Particularly now you've given me the context of um, we need to build your brand because it seems to be it's either golf or the uh, silver SS Commodore. So yes. we've re- we've relaunched the account with a video of the exhaust of the SS Commodore, and then it features uh, a variety of different times throughout the feed. Now the last photo you posted of it says I miss her, and I'm wondering was that just by virtue of distance? Has something happened to her? Just, just okay, good. I just want to make sure there's nothing, nothing. I did it when I was away in America. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've got, I got, I got two subs in there. It's just, it's just a joy to be in. It's just fun. 
between yes, between yes. yourself, Aaron Wilkin, uh, he was a rev head as well, wasn't he? Lincoln uh, Felton, Tyne, um, oh, Felton, Tyne, Felton, Louis Dobler. Dobler. Yeah. Maybe we need to have a maybe we can talk to the PGA around getting you know an event scheduled around the time of summer nats and you lot can fuck off up there and play golf and <laughs> <laughs> do some burnouts at the same time. Oh, mate. Don't even need that event. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's, it's cool. I bought it. I bought it in lockdown. Um, I had a bit of money there and I was just like, it's there. And I bought it at a perfect time. It was just when literally when Commodore's just started going through the roof, like, some of the some of the GDSRs that are selling for like a million dollars, like like hot, like HSVs are amazing, but it's a it's a fucking holder, man. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not not a Ferrari, dude. Like there's not like obviously there's not many left, and obviously not building anymore. But yeah, it's a, it's just a it's it's cool to have. It's it's just a lot of fun getting in the car, driving places. It's, yeah, it's just it's just a joy, and yeah, put put an exhaust on probably two or three months after I got it. Thinking about getting the cams, I've got all these plans for it, but I just need money first, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I, I bet yourself and the remainder of the car appreciation chapter of the PGA Tour would have had a bunch of fun in that public car park next to Royal Queensland because that looked oh, the one that I parked in, which. You guys wouldn't have seen it, actually, uh, upon reflection, because you would have driven straight into the club. But the car park next door to the club, where which was the, the the general car park, was essentially what looked like eight to ten football fields worth of gravel, Ooh, essentially. Yeah. And it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you're telling me this now, and I'm thinking about all of the stuff <laughs> we put of that. Um, uh, you know, beyond the uh, four rounds of golf. Um, just finally. Uh, yeah. So we had Quail on a couple of weeks ago. And, and one of the last questions we put to Quail, it might have been the last actually, was um, if he had to make a call, who did he think had the better moustache or the best moustache on tour? Because I shouldn't limit it to the two of you, but really they are the most prominent. And there's a great irony here because Quail was talking to us uh, from his uh, probably palatial suite at the Coogee Bay Hotel uh, yeah. And he was sitting there in, albeit a long sleeve linen, but also a polo t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> and now you've got the polo shirt on, and you're sitting here with the mustache. And so I have to, I have to pose the same question: Who has the best mustache on the PGA Tour of Australia? Oh, I don't he, know. Just for it's, context, I've, he didn't, he didn't hesitate this long. For context, he was pretty he's, confident. He's a, he's a sticker. Yeah. I, he, I reckon he, I reckon his is better probably because okay. he's older uh, he's older I don't know okay but I can't grow facial hair I can only grow a mode <laughs> and like it's actually quite thick so it's up it's up there Very I'd say good. yeah I, I'd say I'd say has got me at the moment he can tw- he had a he was at the stage where he can twirl it I haven't mm. been at that stage yet. It doesn't grow down. Doesn't grow down the bloody bottom. It only grows up the top. <laughs> well, for the record, that's now two votes for Quail because uh, he yeah. was pretty happy with his own. Because he's pretty hundred percent. I yeah. always say he's most. But now, now you should see. Like, there's so many players that are actually doing. I think even Toddy Sinnott's doing. We've got one now. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got a. He, I think he's got long hair as well. There's, yeah. there's some sort of trend going on. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't Morgan, know if it was me. I don't know if it was anybody else, but 
Uh, Morgan flirted, flirted with one there for a period of time. Uh, I think it was uh, might have been down at Murray River or somewhere. Because I, 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 I remember uh, the photo um, that we posted of, of what was embarrassing for the leader of the Order of Merit. And I'm glad he came to his senses and got rid of that <laughs> up the top lip. But, yeah, it seems to be permeating. certainly seems to be permeating across the two of them. Uh, yeah, I think there's, there's been a lot of people that said, like, hey, if you're doing it, I'm going to do it too. I'm like, I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't know if it was a competition or not. But um, that- everyone's everyone's growing out their hair. Everyone's doing mullets. Like, I've shaved, like, kind of the sides of my hair. Jed, Jed actually shaved the, shot, shaved the sides of my hair in the States. It looked fucking horrible. Yeah, but it was yeah. brilliant. Like, it was with, like, an actual beard shaver. So it was literally oh, down to the skin. Right. It looked it looked hideous, but it was it was hilarious. It was good memories. So, uh, but yeah, nah, it's mullets and mows, man. Just following Cam Smith's. Well, I was just, just about to we say, just golf game, man. <laughs> there is something truly poetic about the fact that our hallmark to the world from Australian golf perspective is thin, wavy mows and mullets. Um, that's that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, yeah. and we and we do have the world number five to thank for that uh, yeah. Mika because I think we can call you that now after an hour um, yeah. uh, I say I say grazie because it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on for the first of what uh, we hope to be met in chats mate uh, particularly when when you start jagging those wins that we know are coming we'll uh, yeah. we'll love to have you back on to celebrate that but it's been wonderful to spend a bit of time with you, get to know you a little bit better and um, we certainly look forward to keeping tabs on, on the progress into the future and, and having you back on for, for a chat uh, as, as time progresses. Thanks again, mate, for your time. Sounds good. Appreciate it, boys. Thanks for your time as well and thanks for having me.